You're listening to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. The real monsters were the friendships they made along the way. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. Rather than the usual stay of spandex-clad Japanese superheroes, we're swapping spandex for latex. No, I'm not talking about gimp stuff, Bad Ranger. We're talking about old-school classic monsters, the cult favorites, stuff from the West. It's going to be great because, hey, it's technically Taku, right? I guess. Yay! And now we've made an enemy of like a a third of the Taku community now. It's dudes in rubber suits occasionally drowning in movies. That was just how the 50s operated. Japan is stuck in the 50s. And as a reminder, this episode is sponsored by tokutoystore.com. Please check them out. They've got a bunch of new Q-Ranger and X-Aid stuff in, because that's what all the kids are about nowadays. We still need to petition them to include some X-Files things. (laughs) (laughs) It's technically Taku as well, right? Well, this is technically. I mean, does does that mean that Jack Black was technically in Tokusatsu. Oh, yes. I suppose, by, by your logic. Now I'm just waiting for a modern Ultraman reboot in the West with Jack Black, and it's going to be obnoxious <laughs> and terrible. He was originally going to be in Green Lantern. It was going to be like a comedy Green Lantern film, where he became Green Lantern. So and was, was, just... was Kyle Gass going to be Sinestro or something? <laughs> something. And no, I remember... no, was Dave Grohl... No, Kyle Gass would be Kilowog, uh, Dave Grohl would be, uh, would be Sinestro. I can't remember the specifics, but he was going to be Green Lantern, and he was going to have this nerdy friend, and as a joke, he makes, like, a green elf woman for the nerdy friend to spend the night. It, I'm glad that sure? movie wasn't made. Are you sure this wasn't when, like, we were at Jack Black's house, and, like, we just got really high, and we were just talking about things we wanted to do? This is the thing that happened. We, we spend time with Jack Black regularly. We are good friends with him. <laughs> Please don't sue us, Jack Black. We, we, we love you, Jack Black. Pick of Destiny was bollocks, though. Wait, hang on. I suppose that would be technically Taku as well. Pick of Destiny is, is, is Taku. It's, it's great Taku. It, it's, it's metal Taku. We've decided that. <laughs> well, I mean, you got people in. You, well, you got Lucifer at the end. Kind of like a Takui thing. You got explosions. There's oh. fire. Oh, you hear that? It, it's it's the tangent alarm already. Wow. Oh boy. We've already gone into this. We were just doing the promo, and we went into the tangents. Oh, thank you, Jack Black. You've saved us once again. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God. actually, what would Jack Black do? Well, then again, he was in a King Kong movie, so. Oh, yeah. what? That was a weird choice for. Uh, that was a weird choice for Jack Black. He acted it well, but. Oh, it's, it's like they. Oh. they it took all the uh, the sleaziest parts of um, Denim from the original, which there weren't many, to be honest. He was a pretty decent bloke, and then just kind of made them their own thing. Decent character, but why Jack Black? Well, he was having that phase at the time. Remember School of Rock? Ah, uh, vaguely. Yeah, it's that thing that everyone sort of remembers that was somehow popular. Yeah, I suppose it's just because we were all at that kind of age when it came out. Yeah. So, anyway, let's get talking about cult monsters. Oh, Come and Ranger Pants. What do you fancy chatting about? What monster from movie history really gets to you? Well, I mean, there are the obvious ones, of course. You've got Godzilla, Gamera. Whoa, get rid of that Japanese stuff, boy. We gotta go west. Life is peaceful there. Go west? In in the open air? (laughs) Go west? Baby, you and me. Go west. Well, this is our destiny. Uh, I'd really want to stick in instrumental at this point, but I'm not that musically talented. Well, we're talking about movie monsters, and if we're talking about uh, iconic movie monsters, then I suppose it makes sense to start off with the Xenomorph. Oh, right. Great big old H.R. Giga's rape monster from 1979. Penis. Yes. For those that are unfamiliar, what the hell? You've been living in under some sort of rock? Alien was a horror film in 1979 that was 
quite ahead of its time, really. Oh, yeah, very, very timeless. It worked on the belief of less is more and only really showed the monster in little bits of light, like only tiny snippets. Turns out the budget also operates on the principle of less is more. Yes, they really spent a lot on that space jockey set. <laughs> anyway, it looks... Oh, no, they very nearly cut that out, didn't they? Really? Wow. Yeah. It's just such a strange movie and such a unique monster as well. It's just, okay, let's have loads of sexual imagery for some reason. Here's a well, great what, monster that then rapes you and does. then a penis comes out of you and... We'll, we'll talk about the weird <laughs> imagery later on, but it's like, a cult monster... It's like the bit from How I Met Your Mother, you know, the uh, the, the executive guy they've made a, a building for, like a model of it. That's a penis! <laughs> I'd like to think that Giga was completely doing it unintentionally, and it was just revealed as some sort of Freudian thing. <laughs> he only revealed, like, maybe, like, did he die a year or two ago? A couple of years ago? Two, three yeah, years ago? He, yeah, he died a couple of years ago. What if, like, only then, like a few days before he died, he looked back at all his work and he was like, Hang on, I've been I've been drawing penises my whole life. Looks like a like a schlong. He was just he was just doodling. He didn't. But then it's like, oh oh god, what have I done? Yeah, there is a uh, a lot of sexual imagery in the uh, the first one at the very least. Yes, then it was turned into an action movie by James Cameron. A good decision, just, I'd say. Oh. Even if the uh, xenomorph's intelligence took a took a hit. Yeah, though they gradually became quite a common action movie style. Yeah. Villain, but still, they're incredibly unique. They were synonymous with scary monster horror, and I've yeah. still yet to finish Alien Isolation, which goes back to what they originally were, mm. which was this what? Well, uh, well, spoilers in the first half of the game, anyway. Just this one unavoidable force of nature mm. that just comes at you, and you've got to hide, and you've got to cry like a little girl. <laughs> Xenomorph works best when you can hardly see it. Yes. Of course, like, everyone loves the shots where it's in full view, but it loses the mystery. The more you see it, the less scary it is. Mm. Just a tiny glimpse of the dome-like head. Just a tiny image of the biomechanical stuff on the back. Yeah, after a while, it just kind of stopped being kind of biomechanical. Yeah. You know, it's weird. You've got, like, these two kinds of xenomorphs. Like, one where you can kind of see a bit of a skull through it. Oh, that was the original 1979 one. Yeah, and then you got the others where it's just kind of just, just black obsidian stuff. Yeah, they originally did that. Actually, in Aliens, they changed it to a more rich design because the solid, shiny head, that cracked all the time. Oh. And alien heads are expensive. Yeah. And I don't think they could get a whole army of Balaji Bodejos to <laughs> do the aliens, so it's like, okay, here's some manlets. You know what's interesting, actually, about the Xenomorph that never made it into the film? Oh, what? The Xenomorph was meant to be a juvenile. Oh. It was meant to... This, the uh, society of the Xenomorphs is meant to be very, um, very peaceful, very docile, very, um, uh, yeah, just very calm and collected society. And the, the Xenomorph we see is meant to be a feral adolescent form that they go through um, to get to that point. And the, um, the, the adults would all kind of um, help the adolescent through this weird puberty thing <laughs> to kind of, you know, help it not, you know, overcome its violent urges. And the one we saw was meant to be one that was. Well, gestated without that support. The edgiest teenager in the universe. Yeah, that was that was in the original draft. It never made it in. I'm and glad that was yeah. avoided. The concept of an intelligent society governing these things sort of ruins the horror. It's supposed to be something that's alien. It's got to be beyond your understanding. That's oh, yeah. why Lovecraft stuff works so well in you know in its inception. Well, in Alien, there was always a sort of implication that the Xenomorph was intelligent. Mm. And it was just messing with you because, well, it's alien. It's wants and desires are alien to us. 
Let's not talk about Alien Covenant, though. Let's let's not. Uh... But one thing I did like in Alien was the director's cut, which showed the alien life cycle from a different perspective, wherein instead of just, like, killing people or eating them, it actually stored them in the lower decks and transformed them into the alien eggs, which led to the theory that all those eggs that you saw in the space jockey ship what if yeah. they were the original crew? Remember when they were space jockeys and, and not engineers? They weren't buff Dr. Manhattans. You mean they weren't all the buff guy from the Filthy Frank videos painted white? <laughs> the proto-alien at the end was just... It was why? depressing. I mean, even the whole movie raised more questions than it answered. I mm. wanted to look for answers. Instead, I saw Rafe Spall deep-throating a snake monster. Like, what? What was the point of making new things? Like, the... Uh, the weird vagina snake, and then he got the the rape the rape to puss, and then he got the proto alien. Ridley Scott had a lot of stress to work out. <laughs> he was just like, no, how about we come up with this? You, you just it's like how he's probably like on some sort of drug bender. In a few years' time, he's gonna like become conscious and not remember doing it. The same way that Stephen King forgets <laughs> writing Cujo. He's like, what? Wasn't Cujo the one with the dog? Yeah. Was there a film made out of that? I think so. Yeah, I think there's a movie made out of every Stephen King film. And he hates them all. Well, yeah. You ever watched the, um, the the Shining miniseries? It was a miniseries? Yeah, oh, basically what Stephen King did was he was like, I don't like The Shining because I don't like Stanley Kubrick. And um, he decided, well, I'm I'm Stephen goddamn King. I can, uh, I got a lot of uh, pull. I'm going to go make my own miniseries with Blackjack and Hookers out of uh, stuff that was already filmed. So, uh, well, he made one of uh, The Shining. And it, uh, well, it takes after the book a lot more and all the faults therein. Oh, well, that is a shame. Very long-running, very long-winded, very boring. So who's the real monster of this story? Stephen King. There's actually a theory that Stephen King assassinated... Oh, crap. I think it was John Lennon. Oh, I'm not familiar with this one. No, it's either John Lennon or JFK. There was this one nutter with a van parked outside of King's house or office or something, with, like, it painted on saying that Stephen King was brainwashed by the CIA to assassinate somebody. And he was just hounded for years because of that. Folks, this is the uh, the real damage that MK Ultra does. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, I love these theories. Oh, oh, tangent alarm. Oh boy, right, what were we talking about? Monsters. Okay, monsters. We, I think we did as much about Alien as possible without talking about the I whole know, movie, great monsters, or just bitching about Prometheus. So, I mean, after talking about the aliens, Predator. Yeah, it follows That's, Predator. Yeah. What was originally supposed to be its own little action movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme as the monster. It's like some sort of reptilian-headed yeah, thing. Yeah. It was It was Van Damme, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. There was actually some footage of him like in the placeholder suit running through the yeah. forest. Not quite sure. Why did they end that again? I can never remember. Yeah, I don't know why. They just changed the design a bit. I'm glad they did. I prefer the design we got. Oh, yes. The original was more, a lot more insect-like. And it was your typical Arnold Schwarzenegger action film at the end, where he's, like, escaping from Monster and doing all that cool stuff. It's hard to explain without watching it. Just watch it. Mm. Just If you haven't watched Predator, what are you Do doing it. with your life? It is one of the most perfect movies. Definitely one of my favourite movies. At this it... point, the diehard weebs are like, <laughs> why aren't they talking about Taku? It's technically Taku. Back again. <laughs> Do you, do you guys not want to be turned into goddamn sexual tyrannosauruses? Just like me. <laughs> oh, man. Every uh, International Men's Day, I like to make myself a steak and watch Predator. It's how I celebrate. <laughs> and smoke five cigars at once. <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> but no, it's a, it's, a, it's a good way to celebrate it, I think. Yes. Predator itself was just typical manly action movie. It was the 80s. Beautiful. It's one side of an 80s movie. They were riding on the whole jungle aspect of oh, yeah. like stuff post-Vietnam, and so it's like, okay, soldiers in this environment, we're familiar with that. Now let's add an alien. It's... It's great, just kind of showing how you have to start. Yeah, you know, have to think more about a, a superior foe. It kind of puts it, it flips them on their the head. Yeah, you know, the um, the marines sent in are no longer the superior force. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because they're going in and flushing out these um, insurgents, right? Who outnumber them, but also have inferior weaponry. But then you've got the um, the soldiers coming in, fewer numbers, superior weaponry, superior tactical knowledge, that kind of thing. And then you got the predator that comes in as well, who is even fewer numbers, even more superior weaponry, that kind of thing. It's like a weird kind of bigger fish kind of thing going on. You yeah. Know? Although the sequels weren't as great, the concept of the predator was a good one. Mm. Sure, it was an absolute monster that hunted people for sport, but it never hunted innocents. It yes. was always soldiers or people willing to fight because it saw them as worthy. Mm. Yeah, so see, it doesn't it, go for pregnant women. Its intelligence was very implicit. It's... Yeah, you could see it had um, it strategized. It had it wasn't just like a, a monster. It was a, a thinking being that had a plan. It was doing its thing, and it wasn't always spelled out completely for you. And that made it even better. And then some geniuses at Fox decided to merge it with Alien, and there was quite a popular series of comics mm. and a, f- a few on and off video game adaptations that just tied them all together and made it seem like this sort of cycle. There was the Hunter, there was the Hunted, and we don't talk about the movies. But it's just one of those franchises that exists in the background that yeah. fans enjoy because it's one of the great spooky alien horror villains with this know, this hunter cadre, really. There was a, it all started because there was a, an Easter egg in the background of Predator 2, I think. I think it was 2. Yeah, you it can was see the Xenomorph, Xenomorph skull, skull on the, on the wall That was there. cool. Yeah. I've always said that reboots or sorry, remakes should be done for films that had potential and we're never able to meet it. And Alien vs. Predator is one of those movies. I think that you should have started uh, the, the the movie when um, Waterface teams up with the Predator, and then they just kind of yeah work out this kind of weird teamwork, this non-verbal teamwork that they got going on. I, I mean, just stick with the comics. I mean, that that movie had a lot of great scenes, like um like the bit where she's got the um the alien um skull as as a shield and the tail using as a as a spear. How is that not badass? That film needs to be remade. We'll eventually get a good movie of that. It's going to be great, but only if it's got the right director, if it's got the right yeah. influence. I don't know. Just maybe, maybe the Predators will be like proud women of color that are really fat. Oh, there's a new Predator movie coming out. Oh. Yeah, it looks interesting. Go on. One of the characters is an autistic kid. Okay. And that's not me... Uh... Is he being hunted by the Predator? No, I, th- I think I read somewhere that he's he figures out their language or something like that, because autistic yeah, people Yeah, are, everyone are on ra- the spectrum. Every- can, everyone is Rain Man. Yeah, I mean, just just about every autistic friend I know has cracked 15 different ciphers and is a master hacker. And... That's how autism works, folks. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. It's not some sort of horrible impediment that ruins how you function in society. No, it's a superpower. Super autism. So yeah, that's uh, something we've got to look forward to. What if it's tied in with the Power Rangers movie? It's Billy Miles. Still, I want to see Power Rangers versus Predator. Oh, that would be pretty neat, actually. I could, oh, that would be radical. I could go for that. They've already had tie-ins with the Justice League, so why not? I mean, there's been Terminator versus Aliens, and Judge Dredd versus the Terminator. Oh, we, we, there, was a, there was a fan film with um, Batman versus Predator, which was neat. I think it was made by Bat in the Sun. There was, a, there was Terminator versus Robocop. Yeah. That was a comic we had. Things are interesting. It's like, okay, there was that time, though, when they tried to cross everything over. Oh, Aliens yeah. versus Predator just worked. 
Have you ever seen um, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash? There's, that's actually a thing. I've it's seen... a comic book. Now that well, we're talking Ash from Evil Dead. We're talking Ash from Evil Dead. Oh crikey! It seems up with like a bunch of uh, survivors from previous movies, and they kind of get together to try and take down um, Freddy and Jason. Wow. Yeah. It's quite hard to do with slashes, actually, because they were just that thing. Mm. It was meant to be a film, and they just they took the script that was finished for it and turned it into a comic book. That sounds amazing. I, yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Everything can be improved with the addition uh, of Ash from Evil Dead. Well, you know what would make it even better? If there were a version that were narrated by Bruce Campbell. I still need to watch the new um, Ash vs. Evil Dead series. I've heard it's okay. It's more Bruce Campbell. What, what more do you want? Uh, see, now we've also deviated. Yep, there's the alarm again. Boy, Rex sure is going to hate editing this in. Spandex Campbell armor. Yes. And so we've gone into heroes. In fact, we should be talking about monsters. So we've got Alien, Predator, Aliens vs. Predator. Should we go back in time? Let's go back to other things. You know what I like? Creature from the Black Lagoon. Ooh. That movie was so campy, but I was terrified by the design as a kid. Yeah, that is a that's a good that's a good solid monster design. It's not too complicated, not too not too simple that it looks like a suit. It looks like something designed off of something real. You know what I mean? Yeah, even in the movie it had a decent amount of screen time. Yeah. It was always shown it was like not too much and especially near the end where you see it walking on land. Mm. It was tastefully done. There's a reason yeah. why we have these old cult movies. Hey, uh, hey Rex. Yeah? Are they going to remake that? Uh, oh. Dark universe, boy. Oh, is this the same universe as the mummy? Yeah. Like the, oh. the Tom Cruise mummy? So, um, do you not, do you, have you not heard how this works? No. Okay, so... Um, spoilers for a film no one cares about. Um, Tom Cruise is now the mummy. He's now an immortal cursed being. Um. um and Dr. Jekyll is uh, that universe's Nick Fury. Oh. And um, Dr. Fury runs Not Monarch that kind of catalogues and deals with monsters. That's what we're going to get. They're really clutching at straws here. I think they've got a, uh, a Bride of Frankenstein movie in the works as well. Um, Before yeah. a Frankenstein movie. Oh, no, no, no. It's a, it's a progressive plot twist. Frankenstein's monster's gay. It's actually husband of Frankenstein, played by Neil Patrick Harris. Actually, I'd love to see that. You know what? Neil Patrick House could do it. Yeah. He could pull it off. He's a decent actor. He just needs to do Dr. Horrible to just keep playing it up. Oh, me. Oh, my. That's what we want. We want Neil Patrick Harris as Frankenstein's monster. You know, everything is going for a cinematic universe these days. It's Because it's profitable. <laughs> Marvel had done it, and yeah. they're making all the money. Yeah. They've brought Robert Downey Jr.'s career back from the dead. And so people are like, hey, how do I get in on this? I want some of that sweet money. Does Robert Downey Jr. do anything aside from Marvel movies these days? I don't think he needs to. He, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't need to work another day in his life. Have you seen how much he gets paid for these movies? He has enough cocaine to satiate the populace of Brazil. I swear, th two-thirds of the budget of Spider-Man Homecoming was just um, Robert Downey Jr.'s salary. <laughs> how long was he in that movie? Five minutes? Too long. I want a movie where Spider-Man isn't um, Iron Man's bitch. Well, we'll eventually have Sony give the Spider-Man rights back to Marvel. Actually, there's a good there's a good chance that uh, Sony itself may just be bought by Disney. <laughs> it's going under, my man. If Really? Yeah, they are banking on Homecoming to save them. If it doesn't, there's a good chance they're just going to be bought up. Disney own everything. <laughs> They've already got Star Wars, they've got Marvel, consuming Sony movies, wow. 
Still, I mean, there's nothing official about this, but it, it may well happen. They they are going to tank. I mean, and if the Emoji movie is anything to go by, yeah, their uh, their management is not great. I think I think Thingy Pascal um, has left as well. Uh, what's her name? S- Sarah? Something, something Pascal. The, the um, oh that that cow who made the um insisted on making the Ghostbusters movie and blackmail oh, Murray. Right. I'd be okay with this because with Disney taking over, they merchandise the hell out of things, but it just means more movies. Because, yeah. like, with Star Wars, it's like... So with, but with Disney, there's going to be more Star Wars movies. Sure, yeah. there'll be some naffish ones, but they'll probably be good ones. And it just means more Star Wars. And um, probably means, later on, more Spider-Man, more of this. Disney know how to do it. Just where you put the Sam Raimi ones. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. There's a reason why Walt Disney's frozen head is worshipped. Because it's got the best <laughs> business acumen. <laughs> they just worship as a totem to give them business knowledge. <laughs> uh, what if it's like half conscious and in some sort of Cthulhu-like dreaming state, and the executives of Disney can hear him talking in their dreams? <laughs> it's just like he, he just gives them great movie ideas, but also gives them crap ones. <laughs> Actually, no, the, the crap ones are what the Sony executives pick up. Let's make a movie about emojis. Let's employ Adam Sandler for another movie. Damn it, Walt. <laughs> Walt's head is like a, a monkey's paw of, of movie making. You get good movie ideas, you get good business ideas, but you get the crap ones too. Sure, Disney bought out Power Rangers at one time, but Walt's head was the original Zordon. Well, from something a little bit more uh, more classic, we're going to go to something a little bit more... Uh, 80s, 80s, 90s. Yeah. Just, it's 90s, weird. I think. It's a strange part of pop culture. We're going into Tremors territory. The Graboids. I find that before we get into any detail... The whole concept of the Monsters and Tremors is ingrained in pop culture, where it's the whole don't make any vibrations with the ground or anything, but no one really knows much about it. It's just it's just there. To survive a Graboid, you just have to play the floor as lava. Pretty much, yeah. You had your basic monster design. What was it, some funky worm-looking thing? Yeah, so it's like a worm. Like a big old worm. Not like a sandworm level, but big enough to, to mess stuff up, you know? And then they had like weird sequels where it was like only just some larval phase. And well, then again, the s- sequels to these cult films aren't great. That's why we forget about Alien past the third movie. Well, past the third movie, dude, it's past the second well, movie. Ah, true. The third had some decent bits though. It was it was a bit funny. I admit, it was okay. It's not. It, it was a bad movie, but it wasn't the worst. Was that the one directed by Joss Whedon? Was that the fourth one? I think one? that was Resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about the fourth one. Oh, fun fact about Alien Resurrection, because hey, sod it, we're back on Xenomorphs. Oh boy. Ron Perlman had to keep on redoing certain lines. Like, when they found him, he's like, one of his lines was, who did you expect, the Easter Bunny? But he kept on mispronouncing it, he kept on saying, what did you expect, the Eastern Bunny? Oh, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman is a gem. During the recording of lines for the game Fallout 2, because there were loads of narrations for loads of different endings, hmm. he straight up threatened to kick the crap out of one of the devs, uh. because they kept on like overworking him. It's like, dude, <laughs> he just hated recording all those narrations. Oh, man. Oh, tangent alarm. Oh, boy. Right, tremors. Yes, tremors, graboids, big worms, don't touch the ground of the Yeah, It's basically it. So, yeah, just... Big prehistoric worms that were woken up. Some kids probably will have nightmares, just... Honestly, I, I, I'd put Tremors in the same kind of um, category as uh, Predator is one of my top perfect movies, because Tremors works, like, it only has one scene in which it doesn't work perfectly, and that's a bad um, composite effect. Oh, okay. I've, I, I have not seen Tremors in ages. It is... Like I said, it's one of my perfect movies. I mean, Kevin Bacon is 
brilliant in it. Kevin Bacon. Oh, wow. Yeah, Kevin Bacon plays one of the main characters, my man. Nice. Like he and his friend are like um, uh, odd jobs guys. Like they go around fixing stuff, working on stuff, uh, fixing septic tanks, stuff like that. And Kevin Bacon just kind of wants once more. Like they're talking about like just you know, let's just leave now. Let's just go find something in, in the city, something like that. And they find that they can't leave because strange things are afoot. You know, people are dead. Yeah, they, they find this guy who's kind of climbed up on a um, on one of those uh, electrical pylons to kind of escape something. Ooh. We later find out that he figured out the Graboid's weakness and he stayed up there until he died. Oh, crikey. Great film. Absolutely perfect. And it's great that the um, the setting it takes place in is perfect for it, like a very arid um, southern wasteland kind of thing. And you've got the, uh, the two doomsday preparers who um end up fighting one off when it crashes through their doomsday bunker like they have a whole <laughs> they have a whole gun rack like they empty out their their shotguns into it and then you think they're going to be uh you think they're going to be got and then they turn around to their massive um locker filled with guns <laughs> and they just kind of unload gun after gun into it it's perfect don't tread on them well if we're talking about movies that are defined as being well near perfect of course we've got the blob which was of the 1950s in a nutshell it was steve mcqueen <laughs> it was what may eventually have fed early vor fetishists terrifyingly enough but, no yeah no I'm shutting it down. I'm shutting it down. We don't mention. We don't mention the V word. Okay. So the blob. It was. I don't know. Was it was sort of a communism reference? Uh yeah. I'd imagine so. It was, it's because the fifties. Everything in the fifties was a communist. Reference. It was a great big red blob that ate people and just absorbed things into its mass. That sounds like a heavy-handed uh, communist metaphor to me. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that blob. Actually, in the town where they filmed the blob, every year they have a Steve McQueen lookalike contest and they show the blob in the movie theatre where they filmed several of the scenes in the theatre. Really? Yeah. Oh. And they actually have people reenact the scene where they're running out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man, that's great. That is amazing. That's the, that's the only reason that town is still alive <laughs> post-economic downturn. I love those um, like cult films that have these really... Um, and a passionate screenings like uh, like the room where everyone takes like uh, what is it pla- is it a plastic spork plastic, plastic spoons spoon? and they just throw them spoons. at this yeah oh then you got the Rocky Horror Picture Show ones which oh, speak for yeah. themselves no we just need to wait for the Rocky Horror Picture Show the room and the blob crossover movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> not sure how that would work but anyway the blob classic it was sort of horror but nowadays it's quite camp oh yeah but back in the day it was terrifying it was people being eaten by this alien horror that didn't really have any intelligence it just simply ate and everyone was scared and confused mm. it was great but then there was the downturn of yeah. the was i believe the reboot was in the 80s and as with every remake of a classic horror film in the 80s it had to be dark as in Ranger, I'm talking about it being gory as hell. You'd see people like half consumed by it, oh, melting, damn. you'd see limbs falling off. Because it had completely lost the communism metaphor. Now it was a reference yeah. to AIDS. Oh. As in it was just constantly eating through scores of people. This is one scene with a person in a phone booth trying to contact someone, and then they see the half digested face of someone in the blob. It is horrible, it's nasty, it's n- not even a good movie it was just so dark it had zero appeal it's it's like the remake of the fly uh, just uh, well, actually yeah but the blob didn't have jeff goblin so 
The Fly reboot was... I keep forgetting the Fly is a reboot. Really? I always saw the original stuff. And I, hmm. yeah, that, to me, that was creepier than the Brundle Fly. Oh, man. Like, the, the ending for the original Fly, where the Fly's got, like, the, the human was parts. dark. That was messed oh, up. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh man. Now, seriously. That I'm... prop for the spider, though. Oh, <sighs> I've had many a nightmare of being that Fly with the human head. Dead. God. Yeah, right. That was that was, that was spooky as hell. They really yeah. got the horror right. I think in one version, even like where they show him with the fly's head, even that was dark. That was spooky. Yeah. They didn't need to rely on the puppets and gore body horror of the 1980s. But it was good body horror. Oh, definitely. The sequel messed me up, not because it was a good movie, just because the ending, like like the uh, like the asshole character is kind of. I can't remember what happens to him, but he gets messed up like he gets spliced or something and he's like this maggot man oh he, yes and he, and he's not even treated with any dignity he's kept in like this um this pen up man that messed me up because it's fly well, hard too fly harder <laughs> oh man why why must you why must you hurt me like just this? gotta keep punning dude you gotta pun the pain away <laughs> no no that kind of thing just kind of plays on an innate fear of mine of just kind of being changed yeah Funny enough, Shin doesn't do that for me. It's just no, it's just just agony of that's just being pain. Eeyore. That's just depression. <laughs> yeah, come and ride a depression. His true power is not killing himself. The late seventies, eighties, nineties period was very strange for monster movies because they didn't really need to keep the old pacing, as demonstrated in the worst cult films. Like you got the video nasties, like Extro, the film where a woman gives birth to a live man. Mm, Who thought that was a good idea? I think it's a good idea. Extra is great. Really? Yeah, Extra is great. Extra was terrifying. Extra is terrifying. It's also actually pretty good. There's that one scene I always remember that's in many gifts on the internet of the car passing by and you just see it crawl back. Ah, no, that's nightmarish. Exactly. It is a surprisingly well-made movie. It's just unsettling. Hmm. Of course, the sequel's enough, but that's just part and parcel. That's how it works. Ah, Extra, dude. I mean, the suit designs were good, but mm. it was just so... Ah. It was messed up and very uncomfortable. It's just... Oh, it's a weird premise, too. Like, the guy gets abducted and then he gets sent back and he's kind of turning into an alien. And It's weird. I love it. It's perfect. You've got an interesting taste in films. Oh, come on. Extra is great. You're raised on nothing but video nasties. <laughs> What's next? The Driller Killer. Well, if you want, we can talk about Basket Case. Oh, no, not Basket Case. Yes, Basket Case. Yeah, let's have this Muppet in a basket. Want to talk about the one where um, where the uh, where the uh, brother gets married to another thing like him? But let's go into something a bit more cheerful. Gremlins, technically a uh-huh. Christmas movie. Oh, sort yes. Sort of dark, but also black comedy. Just everyone wants a mogwai. Fluffy little mogwai. Wasn't that written by Chris Columbus? Wait, you're talking about the guy who killed all those natives? Yes, I'm talking about that guy. Well, he lived a long time. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm talking about the guy who, um, did he write or direct the first two Harry Potters? We'll just check right now. Cue intermission sound effect. Okay, we're back from our IMDb spree, and yes, Chris Columbus did in fact write Gremlins, and he also directed the first two Harry Potter movies, and also, dude, wrote The Goonies as well. This dude has a weirdly diverse uh, portfolio. Directed like he's done Home some... Alone. Yeah, he's done Miss good Doubtfire. stuff. The dude produced the first two Fantastic Four movies, but directed Pixels, so... Hey, come on, Chris. Ah, that's a shame. You could have stopped He nearly had a perfect run, but then again, he, he also produced Jingle All The Way, so... Why was Sinbad in that movie? 
We, we don't know. It was that strange part where Arnold Schwarzenegger lost his action cred, but then they decided to also stick rappers and comedians in with them. Oh, tangent alarm. <laughs> Dear lordy. We're talking about monsters. <laughs> the only monster is Chris Columbus. <laughs> Both the director and the colonialist. I don't know. <laughs> You're listening to Spandex Social Justice Armor. Re. Oh man, it's uh, no, Gremlins were great. It's oh man, the the, the little puppets had going on. Fantastic puppetry. Very simple premise, you know. You got these little things. Yeah, don't get them wet. Don't feed them after midnight. Uh, don't get them in direct sunlight. That kind of thing. It's just like raising a geek, really. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, and then promptly each one of those rules are broken to some degree. Whoops. And so it just gained a cult status. Because yeah. everyone knows Gizmo. Everyone loves that fluffy little mogwai. And then the sequel happened, which was uh, not, as, not, was, as, eh. not as solid as the original. It went... The first one had always had an element of com- comedy to it. It was, a, it was a funny film, but it didn't take away from the horror. The, the second one, though, was, it was a full-on comedy. The sequel was just there for the sake of it, because that's what executives did. They ran out of ideas. Hey, here's something that did well... Let's make some more money off it. I mean, it had really great special effects, good use of, like, animatronics oh, yeah. and stuff, but... Like the Spider yeah. Gremlin was oh, great. Oh, that was amazing. And the rotoscoping in it, I loved it, because you got that, like, electric um, Gremlin. Yeah. Good stuff. Gremlins, ooh, it's technically Taku, so... Well, you got little, uh... Yeah, yeah, it's technically Taku. It's technically Taku. Eat it. Eat <laughs> it. <laughs> technically. Just, just Technicality. Okay, so things that are technically Taku. <laughs> we've, we've got Tenacious D as Taku. <laughs> Screw it, I'd love to see that. Like Jack Black cameoing in something. Please. Yeah, if we ever make a movie, we're going to have to kidnap Jack Black in misery style and force him to be in it. We probably also need to have Dave Grohl in it, but he's pretty chill. He just consent like anyway. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, Dave Grohl will probably do it. He's, he's just been through so much. He's like, yeah, sure, star in this Japanese movie. <laughs> Screw it. Gremlins, great movie, even though we sound like we're complaining about everything. Good stuff. Good. Yeah, it's good. We're going on a really Solid. disjointed arc here. It's like, we're just going from monster to monster. Yeah. Well, that, that's not like, much, much like Godzilla in Final Wars. Oh, God, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we're slaughtering <laughs> this one, this one. We talked about Gremlins in 11 seconds. Boom, yeah, done. Take that, you tuna head. <laughs> done. Monsters. Easy. Mm-hmm. We're going through more monsters than Final Wars. It's amazing how much you can get done without Don Fry. Now we're going through more monsters than the uh, Nuremberg Trials. <laughs> oh, oh, historical! Uh, I'm proud of that one. That's beautiful. Yeah. So let's uh, let's ba- let's backtrack a bit to um, one of uh, history's most uh, influential movie monsters, King Kong. Oh yes. The one that people say, "Hey, he's also Taku." Not just technically, but also because Japan had adopted it. Aye. King Kong is a monkey, and uh, he likes women. Don't we all? Well, I mean, a certain percentage of the population doesn't. Yeah, like straight women, they have bad taste. Uh, Come on, no, women, go for women, they're lovely. Yeah, you'd be all, you'd all be a lot happier if you were like us. Yes, that's how the Asari Mass Effect came to be. <laughs> they realized they realize it's like, hey, boobs are great, let everything have boobs. Let, let's all have boobs. Yes, boobs for all. When are they going to make a male Asari Mass Effect 3? Really? Yeah, apparently they had plans to make like a male Asari. It's a greater abomination than the Ardad Yakshi. <laughs> I don't even know how it would work. I mean, do they engineer one? Why would they? Men are the real monsters. Bum, bum, bum. But anyway, Kong, giant ape. Yes. Many adaptations. 
Mm. Suit motion, stop motion, CGI, all played by Andy Serkis. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Serkis is immortal. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's an influential series. Um, it was partially an inspiration for, um, for Godzilla. And in fact, the first um, Japanese tokusatsu movie, a monster movie, was a, a Kong ripoff. Oh, wow. I cannot for the life of me remember what it is, but... If I recall correctly, it was a like an eight man in Edo period um, Japan, and that was it. Uh, I don't think it's currently in print, and no known uh, prints of it survive, so you can't watch it. But promotional material still survives of it. Are you sure that's not just a historical record of a European man visiting Japan? <laughs> it's like ah, giant ape man <laughs> stomps down a few buildings, <laughs> breathes fire. <laughs> that's how Edo ended, right? Uh, yeah, that's what happens when the uh, the US um, turned up and asked Japan to cease its isolationist ways. <laughs> we'll send in our nuclear supermen. <laughs> oh, wait, that was later. <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, King Kong is one of the most um, one of the most influential films of all time, I would say, and definitely holds its place at near the top of the pantheon of pop culture. We'd probably end up doing a video or episode solely devoted to King Kong. Oh, absolutely. Because it's got such a massive influence. Mm. In fact, we could do one about everything. We could do a massive episode on Gremlins if we wanted to. In fact, if you really want us to do an episode on Gremlins, you guys can just bribe us with pizza. We'll just, you, just talk about yeah. Gremlins for five hours. We don't even need a, a Patreon. We'll just give you our address and you can just have pizza delivered to us. Another influential monster, which we'd love to go into so much detail on, probably in a later episode, well, technically kaiju. This is what happens when a Godzilla director is abducted by North Korea, Paul Gasari. It was Ooh. such an amazing movie. It was supposed to be propaganda of the people overcoming the corrupt capitalist menace. But from an outsider's perspective, it looks like what happens when people rally around one great cause, but then find out that the leader is still the tyrant. I wonder, I wonder what country did that. Gee, but anyway, so it's about people oppressed by evil Emperor Dingus Face, and this one dying guy makes a monster out of rice. Oh, it's a metaphor for the English Civil War. <laughs> Pulgasari is Oliver Cromwell. Ah, I don't remember Pulgasari banning Christmas. But yes, yeah, so dying man makes statue out of rice and imbues his yeah. What else could he could he use to stick the rice together? I mean, Feast. he's going to say he's a cell. He's got a poop. What's he going to use the poop for? May as well use it as modelling clay. It's it's poop and rice. What just th there's mud. There is mud. Why does it have to be poop? He's got to do something with the poop. <laughs> well, he just had like a bucket of poop. He's like, well, I might as well do something with it. Well, he's locked away for indefinitely, so why not? <laughs> just, 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 he had mud. Mud's easier to work with your hands. Why would you willingly work with poop? It's just sitting there. Well, I mean, that's why people directed the Ghostbusters movie, but still. <laughs> just, <laughs> fine. The golem of rice feces and human desire comes to life and starts eating metal, growing bigger and bigger and becoming unstoppable. And then the whole plot twist of the movie is that they have to kill him off anyway, so the woman who can control him just ends up getting eaten by him and it dying. I'm really not sure what they were trying to work into the, with the whole dear leader thing, surely. I, I suppose they just kind of gave up once they worked out half of the metaphor. I, all they cared about was just make sure dear leader is great. <laughs> it's not the reason why they don't have male protagonists in their movies. Oh, yeah. This great thing about North Korean movies, all of them have strong female protagonists. 
because if there's a strong male protagonist, it's someone for people to idolise. It's like, hang on, he's sort of competing with Dear Leader, whereas Dear Leader is supposed to be the Superman. He's their Jesus. Uh, whereas if it's a strong woman, it's fine because she's, to them, always secondary to Dear Leader. That's why the women are always the strong, serious hero types and the men are the goofballs. Man alive. I mean, socialist, um, you know, strong female protagonists. It's a social justice warriors. <laughs> Let's go to I, North it's Korea. It's a utopia. <laughs> yes, all of you, please. Off you go to North Korea. All of Tumblr, skidoo to North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be able to eat at all, but uh, oh well. Just yeah, whatever. You might be able to murder someone for potatoes or a bowl full of rice. You'll have you'll have meth at least. Free yeah, available. then you'll then you'll be able to revolt against this obvious tyrant and use your own rice and feces beast <laughs> to tear down the corrupt government. That's how all revolutions should happen. We we just fight with golems. <laughs> Maybe that's the plot of an anime somewhere where all revolutions are done with giant robots or whatever. An anime with giant robots. Well, fine. Like you know, we're they're all... talking nonsense, boy. What? Giant robots in Japanese animation? That is way too out of it. In <laughs> Japan, we focus on down-to-earth topics. What do you mean a man who has multiple women vying for him from various other planets? No, no. A maid who's a dragon? Oh, that that can't do in Japanese animation. No, we're really down-to-earth here. <laughs> <laughs> God, Pulgasari is amazing. We could talk so much about it because politically, it's fascinating. Oh, yeah. In terms of the quality of the film, it was made by a Godzilla director, and so it's good. It's actually a good kaiju movie. Oh, didn't we have, uh, didn't um, Kenpachi Satsuma get uh, kidnapped and made play Pulgasari as well? Really? I'm not too sure, but I think so. I think, Lordy, I think, everyone. Yeah. Everyone. No, they've got a South Korean um, director and a Toho film crew and the guy who played Godzilla. And and brought them over under false pretenses. They weren't kidnapped, but they were with um. They were held there against their will. I think it took them a while to actually be released. There was a documentary yeah. about the two. They were, you know, a lot of the people were lovers. That were to, was it was it the director and some other lady. Uh, the director and his wife were kidnapped. His wife. That was it. And, oh, I think she was man. made to act in a couple of them as the lead actress as well. What the hell is yeah. up with North Korea? Yeah, he wasn't just made to uh, make Paul Gasari either. He was made to make like, I don't know, 12 or 15 other movies. That's a worse contractual obligation than Bill Murray in the new Ghostbusters. No, oh, man. We are almost definitely going to do a whole video on Paul Gasari. There is so much to talk about. And it's. it's Paul Gasari was beauty. Yeah. It's. Uh, and it's so bizarre, it's wonderful. This is actually the closest to Toka we've gotten this episode because oh. it's like really, really close to Japan. Not including stuff about King Kong. Yeah, it's got Asians in it. It's fine. That's what <laughs> you guys care about, right? Yeah, no, we needs at least one Asian person or, va- or just someone, and maybe someone east of say Turkey. If you were born east of Turkey, your movie is technically Toku. Let's say that the Rex Del test. <laughs> now this means Bollywood is technically Toku, so that's fine. We're not really going to talk about Bollywood this episode, but oh boy, we could do so much on it. Like Superstar Rajinikanth, second <laughs> highest paid actor in Asia behind Jackie Chan. The dude is Let them fight. nearly worshipped in India. His fight scenes are insane. He wears this fabulous wig and has a nice mustache. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear what I hear? What? Alarm. Oh yeah. Oh no, I've, I've been girling out over Rajinikanth. Okay, movie monsters. We've got... I don't know. You want to go, to, want to go over to Britain again? You live with some British Taku? Doctor oh, Who's technically oh. Taku, right? Oh, see, I know what you're going for, but you know what I just remembered? What? Gorgo exists. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, boy, that was well, a... yeah, that was a thing. That was a thing? Oh, no. Gorgo, which is basically the British ripoff of King Kong. Yeah. 
riffed by MST3K for a good reason. Well, there are two monsters in that. Like, there was a baddie yeah. one that was Gorgo, and then the mummy one, which was... Uh, yeah, there was, was a babber, like a, and then there was a big one. Wasn't she causing, like, a kidney or something like that? I don't cannot know. recall. But yeah, Gorgo, it is... It's boring. It's boring as hell. It's a forgettable monster movie. It's... It's... <sighs> It's only enjoyable if you watch the MST3K version, because otherwise it's just really dry and dull. I think all movies should have an alternate commentary track on the DVD, or yeah. is the crew just riffing on things? Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 kind of like, um, uh, like, uh, what's his name who played um, Batman recently? Uh, ben... Oh, Batfleck. Ben, uh, ben Affleck on, uh, on the Armageddon thing. He's talking about how uh, he and Michael Bay were having a difference of opinion. Like, um, Ben Affleck thought it was a bit silly... They were training drillers to be astronauts rather than astronauts to be drillers. Hmm. And um, like he was just completely taking the mi- the mech out of um, Michael Bay during the uh, d- and the whole concept during the uh, commentary. And apparently Michael Bay just told him to shut the hell up. Wow. Yeah. If Michael Bay doesn't care about making sense, look at Transformers. I'd I'd rather not. It's okay. Let's look at other things. Doctor Who. No Gorgo. Oh boy. Prime villains, Daleks. Go, oh, yeah. shoot. It's clean, it's fun, it's spooky. Everyone is scared of salt and pepper pots. I thought they were more like uh, rubbish bins, little wheelie bins. Oh, yeah. They're actually apparently designed that way uh, to be sold in merchandising terms because that's what British kids would believe to want. They want little tiny recycling bins with wheels. As children, we all grew up playing with, uh, with recycling bins. British children were weird. I mean, we love Japanese toys because they are so amazing compared to what we've got. We've got plungers and rubbish bins. We still have to have to play with uh, tin toys. Thanks, Thatcher. <laughs> Rationing still isn't over in England. Oh, yeah. Save us. <laughs> yeah, we still have to get me ration of powdered eggs and butter. Uh, yeah. Interesting. The, uh, partially the, uh, part of the um, inspiration for Daleks, especially the way they move, were these uh, Russian dancers who had floor-length um, dresses oh. and would um, kind of skitter along the floor so, um, so quickly that you wouldn't see their legs moving and they'd just see them gliding on their skirts. That's surprisingly... Wow, I'm, I'm quite taken aback. That's surprisingly graceful considering the Daleks. Yeah, and, and, then, and then the other half is Nazis. The other half, yeah, okay. That's here's the graceful sly Russian ballerina. Then we've got Nazis. Yep. Just, just mix anything with Nazis, and you've got a good idea. You got a great villain. <laughs> oh, just... oh man, the Daleks are timeless for a reason. They, uh, it, it, there is, there's something that can be said about a race that just hates everything. It's like, uh, it's like a whole race of. Um, of Nazis. No, no, of, uh, what's his name from I Have No Mouth and I'm a Screen? Oh, A-M? Am, yes. Am, yeah. Ah, yes. See, it took so long for the Dalek creatures inside to be shown. In fact, you never got a clear shot until Eccleston. And, ah, my oh, boy. Uh, I think it's I think it's the fourth Doctor. I think it's Genesis that you see them. Well, not like in as much detail of them actually doing anything. I think in one later episode, you then see them like one outside of its device attacking someone. Yeah, that was uh, another Davros episode with uh, Peter oh, Davison. Oh, yes. Like, they blow up a, 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 Dalek, a Dalek casing, and then the, uh, the Khaled mutants oh, yes. kind of crawls out and attacks someone. I, d- I don't like the new um, Khaled mutants inside, because they look too much like their own animal, because it's got an eye. It looks... Yeah. With the other ones, they're just a mass of, of flesh wired into a into a machine. To be honest, we can make an entirely new episode 
um, complaining about New Who and Old yeah. Who. And I could that do would a whole be a podcast one. on that. I could do a whole show. But still, I found that I personally enjoyed the redesigns for the Daleks in New Who because it made them seem like they're actually operating machines. But I do yeah, see I where you're coming from in viewing them as cyborgs wired in there because they need to. They're not operating it with limbs or anything. Yeah. They are just the brain of this evil war machine. Yeah. Actually, wasn't there an episode, and actually it was done several episodes, where they were cultivating Daleks from human brains? Uh, there was oh, one in Thingy the, with old doc, one of the older Doctors, and then there was the one with the end of the ninth. Yeah, you're, you're thinking of um, like the um, yeah, with, Journey's End or whatever it's called. Yeah, but I'm also talking about the one where you know where like a lot of people's bodies were preserved. There was this weird DJ. Oh yeah, yeah. oh um, and there were like two Paradise different factions. Towers, another, yeah, it was another Davros one. Oh, that was um. That, that was Davros. Is um, that was Davros's Imperial Daleks? No, ah, no. no. Yeah, yeah. His yeah. Imperial Daleks. Uh, he was staying in a mortuary where where people were um, uh, suspended on the brink of death until they could be re- uh, revived. You know, Walt Disney style. And yeah, yeah. There was a weird DJ type. He was. Um, he was. His show was being broadcast to a bunch of dead people, much like ours. Yeah, in fact, dead people are our target demographic. They they love it. They love the giant monsters. Hmm. They probably can't hear us because they're on the brink of oblivion, but yeah. yeah you know, at least they're out there. That's what I'd imagine my radio career to be. <laughs> that or like an old folks' home. So yeah, basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Everyone on the brink of death. Problem is I'd play Eurobeat the whole way around. They'd pray for it. They'd All pray right. for the end. The orderlies are drifting them around in wheelchairs. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Racing them. Yeah, best nursing home. Gonna get you like a space boy. Wow, wow, wow. But anyway, Daleks. Spooky. Mm. I love the redesigns for the actual machines that they had I, in I, later ones because they have like the little lights on the side, be a bit yeah, bigger. And... I don't like the uh, I don't like the copper thing. I'm mean, kind of I, I love I, the I, copper designs. It's it's fine, but I just want the either the grey ones or the the blue and silver ones to come back, and they do, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they had the Sentai coloured ones. Oh yeah, the uh, the Dalek Rangers. They uh, oh they did not last long, like two episodes, and they're off. I did like the use of black Daleks as like a designation for rank and stuff. Yeah, they developed their own like um like the Imperial Guard had like black domes. Yeah. Uh, Then you had the the first Supreme Dalek was a black Dalek, and it was black with alternating silver and gold um, bumps on his skirt. Then, um, yeah, I love the different kinds of Daleks, like the, like the um, Heavy Weapons Dalek. Oh, that was a great design. Oh, it's a Dalek designed to kill Daleks. Like, there's no ice dork. Let's just stick a big gun on the front. Oh, yeah. Kill. I really wish they'd revisit the Dalek Civil War more in, the, in Doctor Who, because that's a, a great potential for episodes. Right now, in terms of Dalek lore, it's just a complete mess. Yeah. Things are spanning between space and time, and it doesn't really seem to fill the Doctor in anymore. They're just doing their own thing. Feels less like the Doctor constantly trying to finish their schemes and then just roping him in occasionally. Yeah, honestly, if I were them, I'd focus more on the, the Dalek-Human War. That's a that's something that pops up a lot in the in the audio dramas. Like even if it's just in the background, like someone will mention like they they had a granddad who fought in the uh, you know such and such Dalek-Human War, that kind of thing. It's it's a fun background thing. I'd love a period-based Doctor Who where the Doctor's returning to the 60s, 70s, 80s and he's doing these additional wars either as part of a separate continuity from what he'd already done or something else. My dude, you've already got what you want. It was a uh, Seventh Doctor episode. It goes back to um, either... It goes back to just after an unearthly child happened, like where they left. And he goes back to pick something up that he went 
to Earth to drop off. It's the Hand of Omega. Oh, that one. Yeah, so he's there just after he'd left, and then the Daleks are there. Yeah, that kind of thing. Oh, I've seen that one, yeah, but I want more of it. (laughs) Yeah, well, if you're expecting good writing from modern Doctor Who, you're... uh, in the wrong place. Actually, with that episode, I think I remember it. Wasn't there was like a cameo with like the episode of Doctor Who airing on a television? Oh, no. I think kind so, of yeah. Very, just like uh, like when everyone leaves the yeah. room like that. Yeah, we're now... Uh, the BBC announcement. Yeah, uh, the also... Doctor, and then it cuts as soon as he yeah. just says Doctor. And then they see like a no-coloured sign on a and b and it's just like, what the hell is this? Oh, no, it isn't a no-coloured sign. It's a black guy oh. running it. But they do have uh, a thing about race there. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, it's not as heavy-handed as some stuff has been uh, recently, but it is a bit on the nose. Yeah. Then again, 1960s Britain was strange. Good thing that the episode came out in the, in the 80s. But yeah, I want more of that. I want more period stuff. Mm. Like, not constantly returning to present day and dealing with present day stuff. Just mm. like, okay, let's do more actual time travel things. I'm not talking one-off episodes. I'm talking, like, the Doctor spending most of the time in a certain decade. Oh man, if only they could go back to uh, to the days of Unit, you know. Oh yes, Unit. Oh man, they've really got a raw deal, even uh, in, in the new seasons. Unit sucks now. Ah, uh, they can't even do the Silurians right. Oh, um, uh, why are they? Why are they all weird, sexy lizard women? It's 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 weird. I feel like Alex Jones looking at them, you know. <laughs> uh, this is what happens when you put too much fluorine in the water. Yeah, right. It it turns the frogs sexy. You know what? It, it takes a while for some of these. <laughs> Rex, why? <laughs> uh, now I just need to ship them with Carmen Rider Amazon. Hey, actually, their head um, shape does kind of remind me of Amazon. Yeah. But um, now uh, moving over from Daleks to another Doctor Who monster, we've got the Silurians and Sea Devils. Oh yes. Every Silurian and Sea Devil episode is. Is the same. It's interchangeable. Yeah. You've got in a f- horror from the deep. In fact, they're also interchangeable with the last two, um, well, with the the late, no, not the latest one, but the one just before, like a War for the Planet of the Apes, and the, oh, the middle, yeah. the second reboot Planet of the Apes thing, because you've got like this, um, this other species that has uh, a, a right to the planet as well, and you've got these two warring factions that are kind of on the brink of war with each other, and then you get this faction that are trying to make peace, with it, that kind of thing. It, it's basically the same as a Silurian episode of Doctor Who. I really need to watch more classic Who again. I'm, I, do you have, do you happen to have any Tom Baker era stuff around? Boy, do I! Oh, I've great. also I've also got the entire Silurian and Sea Devil collection. No, really? Yeah, yeah, all the classic ones. I'm, I've got to binge this. I'll, I'll lend you the box set. The fantastic. Fir- the first one does drag on a bit. It's a it's a very long episode. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's this is going to turn into a Doctor Who podcast. Yeah, I've also got all the Sontaran ones too. Oh, dear lordy. Yeah. The dumpy potato men. I did like the way they did the Sontarans in recent episodes. They, oh, had, a, they had a comic appeal. Yeah, but you, you can't just... The Sontarans are great and they just turn them into comic relief. Don't, they are inherently funny, but they are now comic relief characters. Yeah, it's a shame, but then again, Moffat. I mean, I mean, let's not forget that the Sontarans are one of the few species to successfully invade and occupy Gallifrey. Oh, yeah. I mean, not for very long. It's still well, technically worked. But yeah, they're still salty about not being invited to join the Time War. Doctor Who aside, we've been talking about a lot of different monsters, lots of different franchises, lots of tangents as well. That's and we sort we of realise you can't cram all of these into one episode. Sure, tokusatsu is a primarily Japanese thing, but all over the world there's sci-fi stuff, fantasy stuff. There are things that are so fantastical that have ingrained themselves in mm. pop culture... And we could spend so long talking about them, we'll probably yeah. need to do lots of individual special episodes. <laughs> like, again, the five-hour Gremlin special, or the Pulgasari <laughs> holiday special. It's important to uh, to realise that Tokusatsu 
it's the Japanese isn't just Kamen Rider and Godzilla. It's pretty much anything with special effects. It's it's us in the West that's applied this arbitrary mm. uh, standard to it that it has to only be um, just Kamen Rider and Ultraman stuff, you know? Mm. There's no need to be prudish because to the Japanese, it's just a genre. Yeah, that's like, just how they view it. Like anime just being cartoons to them. <laughs> just imagine someone getting really angry over a Japanese guy just saying cartoons. Oh yeah, these are my cartoons. Yeah, let's, No, they're anime. Aren't you appreciating this? No, it's cartoons. Let's put it this way. Um, your dad um, being confused about the weird hentai you're watching and calling it a cartoon is how most of Japan- Japanese society would react as well. <laughs> they're actually a nation of concerned dads. Yeah. <laughs> They just, they just want you to do okay, son. Just put the cartoon pillow down. Oh, son, don't you want to go out and have some fun? We can, we can play catch. Uh, see... Get out of my room, Dad! I'm, I'm, I'm snuggling my waifu! But this has been technically Toku, and there's no need for waifus here, unless you mean, like, doctors, companions, or whatever. Again, there should be... We should do a Doctor Who special at some point. Sarah Jane is my waifu. She is everyone's waifu. Actually, Captain Jack Harkness is my waifu. He's best waifu. Everyone has a crush on John Barrowman, they just don't want to admit it. <laughs> Captain Jack is best waifu. Done. You know, seeing him in Arrow was really, conf- really confusing. I'm so used to him in, uh, in Doctor Who. Yeah, but still... I actually played a straight yeah. guy once. Whoa! Yeah, actual straight man. See, I can imagine Neil Patrick Harris doing that well, but John Barrowman plays the sort of characters that just suck everyone in to be attracted to him. You know what? I was very concerned by the way you started that sentence with, with the word <laughs> suck, you suck. know? I was very concerned. No, no, that's just that's just John Barrowman's charisma. Yeah, he's a very charismatic bloke. He's like some sort of demon that just pulls people in. He's like some, uh, what's the term, incubus. He could be like the enemy of some sort of horror film. He's like an X-Files villain. I'd be down with that, actually, yeah. And so, hey, again, it's technically Tokusatsu. This is one of the worst outros we've ever done. <laughs> and, uh, well, outros aside, I hope you've enjoyed what we're talking about, which is utter nonsense from the West. Here's movies of old, movies of new, monsters from every colour of the rainbow. And, of course, we haven't even done the old cult ones. We haven't gone into detail on oh. Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, the Wolfman. Just historical monsters the great things from all time because hey about an hour not is not really the best time we can cram them all in yeah and it's probably a bit too much to expect you guys to listen to even an hour yes but we're going to specialize later on we're going to do more specific things and so please tell us what western crap you'd like us to talk about on facebook twitter soundcloud youtube you can even scream messages into the clouds and we will hear or conversely if you don't want us to do all this western stuff and stick solely with glorious nippon fine pop us a comment give us your feedback because we thrive on it we feed on it the attention helps us live without it we die and as a reminder for our sponsor check out tokutoystore.com for your share of imported japanese goods for many countries in europe where else are you going to get it from where do i want my japanese goods i want them from well obviously japanese goods come from russia because japan is actually a russian satellite state <laughs> It actually exists in the middle of Siberia, but because of the propaganda, people think it's all the way in the ocean. <laughs> Not joking. It's the conspiracy. Everything is secretly a part of Russia. Putin's a crafty man. And so this is Comrade Rex signing off. Stay fabulous. Keep on riding, capitalist dogs. <laughs>